This is Shazzy, coming to you from the eastern seaboard of the United States. And you're listening to the weird, wacky, and wonderful stories podcast with your hosts, Shelly and Bella. It's one of my faves, and I hope one of yours too. Take it away, guys. Hey everybody and welcome to episode 56 of the Weird, Wacky and Wonderful Stories podcast. And thank you to Shazzy. Yay, yes, definitely. Thank you very much. We have another intro, that's awesome. Yes, it is. Thank you very much, Shazzy, for sending that through. And she sounds quite professional actually, doesn't she? Don't you think? Yeah, she sounds better than I do. (laughs) She's got the whole pause thing going on, sort of like, Yeah, yeah. you're enjoying it too. It's one of... My faves. She sounds like that Nigella Cook woman. Nigella, yeah. Oh, <laughs> Nigella. Don't, don't mention Nigella in front of my dad. Nobody probably even knows who she is. Look her up, guys, on YouTube. Nigella Lawson. She's just known as Nigella now, but she does this cookery stuff, but she like plays on the whole sexiness of it. Let's just say there's more men that watch that show about cookery than women. Yeah. I, I think she's really spurred on men doing cookery, hasn't she? Yeah, I guess. Anyway, guys, if you want to do the same as what Shazzy did and send us through an intro, you can do it by sending it to mail at weirdwackywonderful.co.uk. It can be just recorded on your phone. I don't know how Shazzy did it, actually, but it can be just recorded on your phone or on your computer or whatever. Uh, It can be just yourself or you can have some friends around as well and just make a little bit of a light-hearted intro, if you like. You don't have to worry about music or anything like that. Just send it through as is. Just have a bit of fun with it. Have a bit of a laugh. So, we have a new studio. We do. We are in a new studio. So, we're not coming to you from our front room anymore. We're we're coming to to you from our front bedroom. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. We have converted our spare room into a little studio. There's a lot more work that needs to go on in here. So, if it does sound a little bit hollow at the moment, then that's because we haven't got all of the soundproofing and stuff done yet that we need to do. It's a good thing you can't see it, but that's a whole other story. Yeah, and it's kind of like my drum kit, the vacuum cleaner, the computer, the printers. The other computer. It sounds a lot better just <laughs> calling it the studio. Yeah. When really it's just the spare room. This is not my room. I won't come in here other than to clean it. Yeah, Bella has literally said that because of all of the cables and wires and everything in here that... She wants the door shut at all times, and she will only come in here to clean and to do the podcast. I don't mind cleaning this room. You don't even have to come in to clean. <laughs> yeah, okay. See, see, I try and do the whole, I'll be good, I'll be a dutiful husband and do the right thing by you. Uh, but the trouble is, if I clean something, you go, you didn't do it right. Yeah, because look, look, look. Can, can you see I this here? I haven't cleaned it, though. This here coating of dust. I haven't cleaned it, though. In the man cave. No, the studio. The studio. (laughs) But I haven't cleaned yet. Anyway. Yes, anyway. Thank you for joining us once again. We didn't get the interview done because we contacted our guest who is now on holiday. (laughs) (laughs) Must be. Must be nice. I know. Tell me about it. So it's another one with us. All right. Well, then what are we going to do to entertain everybody until those interviews happen? Well, do you know what? I quite like triangles. I don't. I like squares. Okay. I like triangles that make things disappear, like your coochie. Fuck off! 
thing has a, a lock on it too. Don't forget. What does? My coochie. <laughs> I'd never heard the word coochie until... In fact, we used to say it to kids, to babies. You go, coochie, coochie, coo. It's taken on a whole new meaning since I met you. Yep, I guess it has. It would be a good place to start to look at the Bermuda Triangle. I've actually always been interested in the Bermuda Triangle. I can remember being a kid and watching movies about it and shows about it and, you know, thinking... You know, what was that all about? But actually now I think they, they say it's got something to do with tides, doesn't it? Haven't they sort of Well, it was on that show that we watched, now, wasn't it? That way they remove the ocean. Yeah, and you drain end up seeing, the deep or something. Yeah, drain the oceans or something like that, yeah. But apparently there's a big fault line underneath and the way the land comes off and then there's a sheer sheer drop in the ocean apparently it causes some weird kind of tidal thing but all that said it still does not account for all of the aeroplanes that have gone missing in that area and the crazy magnetic effect that they found in that area so appetite wetted we're not actually going to do the bermuda triangle (laughs) (laughs) yeah because we suck and we didn't find any info well no no it's not that there's loads of information on the bermuda triangle but it's been done to death so okay yeah Bella has thought of the subject line for the podcast today, which is Mysterious Mountain Mysteries. Alliteration at its best. Exactly. So what have you got to start? Just as an aside, I thought of the Weird, Wacky, Wonderful Stories podcast too, so I like alliteration. Yay. Okay, well, thank you for that extra piece of fascinating information. You're welcome. We're going to start off looking at some of the strange things that have happened in the Appalachians. I say Appalachians, you used to say Appalachian. Which one is it? I guess no, you're. I didn't. You didn't? Okay. No, I always Maybe called it, it the Appalachian Mountains. You just. Don't listen. <laughs> no, you need to clean your ears. This particular area in the Appalachian Mountains is well known for strange phenomena, and especially around the area of Rowan Mountain. Now, apparently, there has been heard there on several occasions by lots of different people, going right back to the 1800s, ghostly choirs of disembodied voices that are apparently roaming the mountains. So people are going up there climbing, etc., and they suddenly hear this choir. I don't know what they're singing. I don't know. Ain't no mountain high enough. Oh, nice. (laughs) (laughs) You, You are terrible. No, but some people have reported it being sort of angelic voices and even, believe it or not, accompanied by harps. How the fuck they would get a harp all the way up there (laughs) to play? Well, they say that the angels are supposed to play harps, you know. Yeah, quite possibly, but apparently they are hearing these choirs accompanied by harps. I wonder if they're all the people that have died along the Appalachian Trail because it's like really long stuff to go to walk the trail. But I wonder if it's just all those people who decided to get together and sing. And form a choir. Well, yeah, that's, that's that's your afterlife sorted out, ladies and gentlemen. Just join a choir. Well, that's no more far-fetched than them all having harps. <laughs> no, but harps are heard. <laughs> They're not actually hearing people saying, oh, um, just just in case uh, in case you die, uh, please take this form so that you can uh, oh, sign up to our yeah, choir. Yeah, but still, you would. I would join a choir. Damn right, I'd love it. You'd be all alone too because I won't walk the trail. I can't even walk up see, the steps anymore. Don't see, there is it, a heaven. <laughs> Oh, nice. So, <laughs> I love him. Some, I do. Some people... <laughs> I love you too, baby. Some mm-hmm. people are actually hearing, rather than the choir 
and the harps, they're actually hearing hellish-type voices. And some have even said that it can be quite haunting and that at times they feel like the actual mountain itself is talking to them. Well, that's pretty interesting. Mother Earth? Well, exactly. It could be nature, couldn't it? It could be something to do with nature talking back. Or a lot of people have attributed these sounds to fairies, believe it or not. So fairies are supposed to be the most tied to nature of all of the supernatural type beings, aren't they? Yeah, well, and then, I mean, these mountains, there were probably loads and loads of different Native Americans that were in there too. And and they probably had, you know, burial grounds. I mean, I know that some Indians were actually afraid to go into the Appalachian Mountains because they thought that there was a rock somewhere in the Appalachian Mountains that would... Well, that's probably uh, a pretty safe bet. They stood on a big one. <laughs> if you stepped on this particular rock, it would swallow you up and you would disappear. And where you went, nobody knows. Well, that's like the crevasses, isn't it, that people fall down? Yep, just a big old hole. Yep. <laughs> Back to Coochie again. So there's also... <laughs> There's also, I see the looks I'm getting now. Funnily enough, some people think that this Rowan Mountain, the voices that they're hearing, the choir they're hearing, they believe that it may actually be either Cherokee, the spirits of Cherokee, or Catawba Indians. Is that how you pronounce it? I don't know. I never heard of them. C-A-T-A-W-B-A. I apologize to any Native Americans who may be listening, who may be offended by my pronunciation. But yeah, Cherokee and... Catawba Indians. Right by this Rowan Mountain as well, this guy by the name of John T. Wilder, he was a Union Army officer during the Civil War, he decided to open up a hotel and he called it the Cloudland Hotel and it's right sort of adjacent to this Rowan Mountain. Yeah, because nobody wanted to go up there, but let's just open a hotel. Well, no, no. You know. What actually that he found was that actually it became a little bit of a tourist destination because all of these people were talking about, wow, I'm hearing angels when I go up the mountain, etc. Mm, good you know? point, yeah. So he builds this hotel right near there. And you've got the walkers and all that that go up there anyway, haven't you? But he opened it in 1878. And there was this one guest. Well, first of all, lots of guests actually <laughs> reported hearing these ghosts or ghostly noises during the night in this hotel. But this one guest named Liberelle, one day heard these voices coming from what was a mountain. It was in the middle of a fierce storm as well. And he decided that he would try and follow the sound of this choir and see if he could find where it's coming from. So he's walking through the wilderness and the storm's really, really, you know, quite fierce. So he decides to hide in a cave. Right. And while he's taking shelter in there... He claimed to see a portal that actually opened in the rock and, in his word, a procession of singing ghosts that looked like zombies, complete with the rotten skin and all that sort of stuff, actually came out of these portals. Nice. And their singing actually, although it sounded quite nice initially, became and almost changed into like wails of pain. He eventually fainted, and when he awoke in the cave, his clothes were all torn, which kind of lends to the fact that actually there was something there, and it wasn't just his imagination, unless, of course, he got mauled by a bear or something in the middle of the cave. But I'm sure he would have had a few more 
injuries other than just torn clothes. Had that been the case? Or maybe he was just panicking and running around and his clothes got torn and then he fainted, you know, as you do if you see a portal with zombies coming out of it. So, yeah. That could happen. Could happen. Mm. As well as that hotel, quite near this Rowan Mountain as well, there is a little old cemetery that's been put there and it's on a place called Dark Hollow Road and it's right up against the Rowan Mountain. In that cemetery there is a grave of a man named Jankins so like Jenkins but with an a Jankins this chap apparently so legend says was having an affair with the local bike called Delinda and I say local bike because apparently she was well known for putting it about this woman local bike yeah she's ridden by everyone Okay, well, I've never heard that before, yeah, but heard that? no. That's no. just like a UK saying. If- Not from the UK. Okay. Hello. Yeah, living here now, though. Mm. Anyway, in the actual report I've read said that she would literally do anything that moved. I mean, you know, if she came to your house, the fish stopped swimming. You know what I mean? Wonderful. Legend says that apparently his wife, this Jenkins wife, found out about his affair and shot him and killed him. Okay. Right. And this Delinda woman who actually was in love with Jenkins. It wasn't just one of her many trysts. She did actually love this guy. Apparently she was so upset by it all that she dug his grave up or dug down to open up the coffin in the middle of the night and then got into it and actually got buried alive so that she could spend eternity with him. To be honest with you, how much that is true, I don't know because yeah, who, who filled, filled in the, in the hole? hole? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, I don't really know how that works, but apparently legend says that she, you know, she's there with him. But people who drive up next to that cemetery today, Um, next to that uh, that cemetery today, (laughs) actually feel their car being moved and rocked by an unknown force. Hmm. So. I just don't even know what to say to that. There is nothing to say to that. (laughs) Was it if the car is rocking, don't come a knocking? It's Delinda, definitely, isn't it? Uh, well, yeah, because you know she upgraded from a bike to a car. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she traded in two wheels for four. Bit difficult doing it on the back of a bike. How would you know? Anyway, I didn't say that she was doing it on a bike. I said she was the bike. <laughs> well, you know. Okay. If something that we can't explain could fill in a hole, could easily rock a car. Yeah. Exactly. Still talking about the Appalachian Trail. Now we're going to go to Virginia, to the Black Mountain, where they say that there are loads of secrets and things that are hidden in there. Apparently, even now, they still haven't mapped that whole area because some areas of it are so remote that they just can't get to it to map it. With a pen and paper. Yeah, I know, right? But you would think, like... Google. Yeah, I was joking. That's what they would do it by satellite these days, I would have thought. <laughs> I knew that. I was just saying. Oh, fuck, help me. I dropped my pen down the mountain. <laughs> Anybody got an eraser? <laughs> okay, so the Virginia-Kentucky border is where the Black Mountain Range is. So the earliest known disappearance happened even before the Civil War when these two guys, their cattle was missing. They couldn't find them anywhere, so... They decided that they would split up in the mountains, see if they could find them. The one guy came back, and the other guy never came back. And he waited and he waited, but he never came back. And then eventually, you know, he left. The next day, there was a group of guys who set out to look for him. 
but they never found him, and they never found the cattle neither. Wow. So, well, so a whole a whole herd of cattle. Whole herd missing. of cattle and a man missing with no trace. Mm. But are cattle like that, like creepy, huge, horny lemmings or something? What like, you mean? Like, one jumps off a cliff and the rest follow. Well, you know, I mean, if a herd gets spooked by something, do they all just start running? Could they have all just ran and... Yeah, I guess. Not very dignified, is it? It's not very dignified. Well, no, I mean, you know, like lemmings, they say it's not true that they will just all kill themselves, all that. So I don't know why that is still... I don't necessarily think that beef understands gravity, if I'm (laughs) honest. So... So they if, got the milk thing, but they don't. They have got the, the milk thing, thing down, but they just don't have the gravity thing down. Yeah, that's well, just so, utterly ridiculous. It's utterly ridiculous. It is. it is utterly ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. I just want to say there was another situation to do with cattle on the Rowan Mountain. There was apparently this massive bull. This guy got a farm on the mountain. Okay, and he's got a load of cattle there, but he had this really big aggressive bull and. He kept it, even though it was a pain in the ass, this bull, because it was a big-ass bull. Bet you ain't as much of a pain in the ass as the running of the bulls. And it had big-ass horns, right? <laughs> and this thing was so aggressive, and he kept it because it kept poachers away. You know, rustlers, people that came to try and steal the cattle, wouldn't go anywhere near it because this big-ass bull, right? Well, one day, apparently, one of these rustlers actually shot the bull so that they could gain access to the rest of the cattle and the carcass of this bull was so big so huge that the farmer couldn't get rid of it you know there was no way he could have disposed of it so he just left it there to rot in the field i mean why he just didn't cut it up like any good i know i'd have cut it up and had some serious steaks going on exactly he would have cut it up exactly (laughs) but anyway apparently in this rowing mountain still you can hear disembodied sounds of bulls so you've got disembodied sounds of hellish things disembodied choirs with harps and now disembodied bulls it's like Noah's freaking ark, isn't it? I wonder how high up it is. Like, I wonder if it could cause hallucinations because it's up so high. Well, <laughs> hypoxia, yeah. I mean, you, you can get... Probably isn't that high, but still, makes you wonder. 6,285 feet. There you go. Just call me Google. Yay. Go on, carry on. Anyway, sorry, I interrupted. I know. Let's go back to the Black Mountain, please. Go Thank on. you. So, they couldn't find these guys, you know, and they couldn't find the cattle. The Warrens and some government guys go out to look for illegal moonshine stills out there. And they all disappeared. Yeah, they all got pissed and fell off the cliff as well. (laughs) Yeah, they found those stills. Anyway, so then... No, there's some Native Americans at the bottom of that cliff (laughs) with a barbecue going. (laughs) Then the food's just dropping from the sky. (laughs) We gave them corn. They gave us beef. (laughs) Anyhow, so the government decides, oh, let's send some more out to find them. And they disappeared too. Never found any of them. Weird, isn't it? Yeah. So then there was this guy named Wentz who disappeared. Never to be seen again. Although there were people who said that he was such a bad guy that there's no wonder that he would want to hide himself. No, there's people right. after him or whatever. Mm. And then a guy named Thomas Gearhard. He was an insurance salesman. He disappeared around the same exact spot as Wentz did. 
Then there was a Harvey Wood guy. He was a merchant, and he vanished in 1906. He bought a train ticket, and loads of people saw him buy the ticket and saw him get on the train, but then he disappeared, and that was in the same area as the Wentz guy and the Gerhard guy. So this isn't up the mountain then. This is just in the area of the mountain, is it? Because there presumably is not a train going up the mountain. Well, it could cut through the mountains, can it? Yeah, I guess. So, we, you know, we don't know. Then there was a Thomas Kelly. He was a coal mine superintendent, and he disappeared in 1908. He was last seen around that same Big Stone Gap area. He was only supposed to go out for a little bit, and he lived in Appalachia and left his house to look at some coal property and he was never seen again never found any remains nothing so then we've got an R.T. Potter he worked for the Big Stone Gaps Waterworks so again same sort of area he disappeared in 1911 and this one's a little bit iffy really because they actually found his body six weeks later but they never could say if he committed suicide fell from a bridge or got murdered but I'm not so sure if he kind of fits in there because, you know, they found him. You know, there's also been several murders that have happened. So there was this Jane Doe woman. She was found in 1920, she shot in the head and the heart. There's been some really horrific things actually happen around there. I don't know if you know about the story of Headless Annie. Is that in your notes? No. So Headless Annie, this happened about 10 years after that in about the 1930s. Now, there was this guy who was leading, he was a miner, basically, and he was leading a unionisation effort, okay, mm -hmm. near Black Mountain. And he successfully convinced his fellow workers to stand up for the unfair treatment that they were having to endure within this mining company. He was actually punished by quite high up employees of this mine for standing up to them. And his punishment, this is disgusting, so if you've got any kids listening... Turn it off now for a couple of minutes. They had his wife and his kids abducted, raped in front of him, okay? And then they decapitated them. They then threw the bodies and the decapitated heads off of the ravine whilst laughing in this miner's face. I mean, what they did was absolutely disgusting. They then proceeded to take his legs off while he's alive, just hack his legs off, and string him up in a tree and leave him to bleed to death. The upshot of it is, is that there's now said to be this headless Annie, who's thought to be the ghost of his daughter, this miner's daughter, that actually haunts the mountain now. And she apparently runs out in front of cars, scares drivers and passengers and, and all that sort of stuff. So apparently he also said to seem to be flagging down passing cars as well. So there's some pretty horrific stuff that went on around this black mountain. Yeah. As I was saying, this Jane Doe was murdered by, well, they believe that she was murdered by a woman named Mary Sturgill, who was not a very nice lady. And apparently Jane Doe carried a lot of money, so they found... Mary Sturgill, like in the next town over, wearing Jane Doe's clothes. Pretty safe to say she probably knocked her off. So are a lot of these missing things that are going on in the mountains due to possible serial killers and that sort of stuff rather than anything supernatural? Is that what you're saying? Well, I mean, it's a theory, isn't it? But there's also the theory that 
you know, there's a lot of Indians up there and they've got their own sort of code of justice and ways that they do things. They probably make people disappear, some of it. Mm. I'm not saying the people I'm talking about now, but it is a theory because it is so remote and uncharted in certain areas that you, you don't really know what's in there. Some people think there's Bigfoot in there. Some people say there's aliens that are in there because it's uncharted and it's an interesting thing to think about, especially, I mean, I guess in the world there's probably loads of places that are uncharted, but seeing how they've got this, you know, the Appalachian Trail going through there and stuff, you'd think that they would know a little bit more. Well, there's still a lot of stuff going on today in the Appalachian Trails. I know that David Paulides, a number of years ago, started on the Missing, is it Missing 411? Yeah. Yeah, series. I know that he's, I think, done some kind of video or, or movie on that. But also, he's got the books out on it. And some of the things that are going on, I mean, people are literally going missing. There's stories, for instance, of people who are camping with their child and their child throws a ball to the perimeter of where their campsite is. They see the kid go to the edge of the clearing and then seconds later, the kid doesn't come back. They go, they search... They search a whole area. They have dogs searching. They have, you know, police, mountain rescue people. Everyone's searching the area. They've covered the couple of square miles of the areas. They've had helicopters and everything else. This kid is nowhere to be seen. And then a couple of days later, weeks later or whatever, the kid is found along a trail that they searched with dogs, you know, obviously, you know, dead or what have you. And the people have said, you know, we've actually, we searched that area. Something must have brought him back. Something must have moved him back to this point. And there's been other cases where they found the kid, you know, maybe two or three hours later, but maybe 50 miles away or something ridiculous. Yeah, whereby, so how did he get there? Exactly. You know, there's no way a two-year-old could have made that distance in that time uphill. Yeah. Really recommend you looking at those books if you're interested in this kind of thing. So moving on to the Great Smoky Mountains. I love some of the names of these places in America. Where was it we used to live? Right next to Gun Gunpowder Falls? Gunpowder Falls. That's yeah. amazing. Great Smoky Mountains. They're a sub-range, actually, of the Appalachian Mountains. I don't know what sub-range is or what constitutes a sub-range, but they're along the North Carolina and Tennessee border. And there's been lots of different tales surrounding this area, but there's this one place called Norton Creek, and you can hike along that whole trail there. And... If you do, you should really keep hold of your kids because there's a risk of running into someone called Spearfinger. Now, Spearfinger is apparently some entity that has the liking of children's livers and will actually cut out the children's livers with one of her long spear-like fingers and actually eat them for dinner. Wonderful. Apparently, she can also take on the appearance of anything that's around her. Sometimes she's taken the form of, like, rock formations. You know, she can sort of blend into the background, if you like, so you don't know when she's going to spring. Apparently, she always used to have flies swarming around her because there was such a horrible stench coming from her. And so locals are said to say that if they hear this hum, that spear finger is near. Often in the past, when children disappeared... If they were out picking fruit or whatever, it was said that this witch, Spearfinger, would be the one who was responsible for their disappearance. That's pretty creepy, really. 
You know, like you always say to your kid, oh, don't go there because the boogeyman will get you. Now, don't go in those mountains there because a woman with a spear finger will find you and eat your liver. It's just weird, isn't it? It is. Well, there was one young girl who apparently befriended the spear finger witch and she actually allowed the witch to play with her hair. And as she was doing so, the little girl became sleepy and fell asleep in the witch's lap. And when she was asleep, the witch then speared her liver with her finger and and ate it raw. And some local warriors were said to have actually managed to trap her and shot her with some deadly arrows into the hand that she used to kill all of these kids. And it's believed now that her spirit lives on in the rocks that are around the pit area where she died. Well, she must not have liked that girl too much. She was just savouring it, wasn't she? She was, like, anticipating. Mm Mm-hmm. That's even worse. I mean, I'd rather just get snatched than think you're going to be all right and there you are trusting the witch and you fall asleep thinking you're going to wake up and it'd be all sunshine and roses and then she eats you anyway. It's not ideal, is it? No. There's lots of mentions in a lot of these mountain stories about people going missing, but also about portals. And I suppose one thing that really makes me wonder is that if... Obviously, we can go through portals. I remember when we were speaking to Lionel Fanthorpe before, and he was talking about that gentleman in... The bathroom. It went down into the bathroom. I can't, I'm trying to remember the name of the place, but he went down into the bathroom, and he, when he came back up, he was in a different, he was in a different time, wasn't he? He'd gone back in time. And yeah. so there's these portals that we know can take us to other places, but what about things that come out of the portals into our realm? I don't think that... Very often that's considered. I know that Stranger Things is on the TV at the minute. And so it is in people's minds because, again, that's things coming through into our world. But I wonder sometimes whether some of these voices, some of these entities, some of these legends that people talk about are based around these portals that may open up in these areas. Maybe the whole idea of the air being thinner up the mountains, could that actually sustain some kind of portal easier, maybe? I don't know. We've heard about craft, UFOs, etc., that may be able to use anti-gravitational waves, etc., to skip and warp through time and space. Maybe when people see UFOs, they see them sort of go up or whatever, and then all of a sudden, we spoke to Stephen Spignessi before, didn't we? And he said that a lot of people report them winking out, like they just suddenly disappear. Could it be that they are able to produce some kind of portal at altitude, which they just suddenly pass through? Yeah, maybe they're going so fast that they just... Well, that's another thing, yes. Maybe they are just going so fast that we don't comprehend them being there and moving away because the moving away has happened so quickly. Hmm. Like that thing we saw. Remember that? Not that long ago when we were looking out back and it was like something was there. Went really fast from point A to point B and we were both like, what the hell was that? Mm-hmm. I actually thought, you know, you'd get a lot more sort of excited by that. But you were just like, oh, like it was no big deal. No, I was. I didn't know what I'd seen. That was the thing. We were talking earlier about the herd that disappeared. They all disappeared together. Yep. This wasn't on a mountain, but this is another mass disappearance. And obviously it's the disappearance of the Roanoke colony. Did you learn about that in history in school? No, 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 no. So the Roanoke colony is also known as the Lost Colony. And it was the first attempt really 
at the English trying to create a permanent settlement in America, in North America. In 1584, in April, Sir Walter Raleigh dispatched an expedition to actually explore the east coast of North America. And they arrived on Roanoke Island, which is around the areas that we've been talking about. Mm -hmm. Anyway, they arrived on Roanoke Island in the summer. So they left in April, but they arrived in the summer. And they met with local natives there. There was two tribes there, the Sakotans and the Croatans. When they returned to England, they actually took some of the Croatans with them, two of them, in fact, and they described to Sir Walter Raleigh how the politics worked and what the geography was and all that sort of stuff of Roanoke. And eventually, Raleigh organised a second expedition to be led by a guy called Sir Richard Grenville. Now, when he went there, he decided to leave 108 men to establish a colony at the north end of Roanoke Island. And he was going to return in 1586 with more men and supplies. They left in August of 1585, and they were supposed to be coming back in April 1586. Okay, In June, however there was an incident whereby the colonies, or the colonists, should I say, actually believed that some of the one tribe, the Sakotans, had stolen a cup. And so they retaliated by burning down the village that the Sakotans actually inhabited. So they stole a cup... And a in return, the English burnt down, down their the... village. Yeah, That's nice. It's, it's a bit overkill, isn't it? Hmm. After they massacred the village, or after they burnt down the village, the Native Americans then attacked the colonists, but the colonists were able to repel them. Soon after the attack, Francis Drake was on his way home from a successful raid in the Caribbean, and he stopped at the colony and offered to take some of them back to England if he, if they wanted to go, some of the colonists. And some of them decided to go, but he left, I think, about 15 men on the island, thinking that they would be able to manage it. You know? <laughs> so an awful lot of them said, fuck it, take me with you. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> so, well, and the trouble is as well, is they were running out of supplies. They kept on having to have supply drops. So in 1587... Raleigh, Walter Raleigh, sent another group of 115 colonists this time. Now, he wanted to send them to Chesapeake Bay. Hey, I know where that is. Yeah, and they were led by a chap this time by the name of John White, who was an artist. He was also a friend of Walter Raleigh, so Walter Raleigh trusted that he would be able to get the job done. Why he would send an artist, I, I don't know, know right? but, you know, um, draw them to death. White and Raleigh named 12 assistants, um, and they became the sort of governors, if you like, of that area and started to sort of, you know, run the area, if you like. In, that's, in not bad since, that's not bad since how only about 15 of them stayed. About... No, 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 that's on Roanoke. This is on Chesapeake Bay. Oh, oh right, right, right. All right. I'm sorry. On their way back, they decided to stop at Roanoke to pick up the 15 guys that Grenville had previously left. Okay, right. but when they got there, they found nothing except a skeleton. And there was no, no one else there, just a skeleton. A skeleton. A skeleton, okay, which they believe was possibly the remains of an, one of the English garrisons. So they managed to persuade Governor White to return to England and explain to them how desperate they were and 
they sent some more people and decided they were going to send 115 guys to Roanoke. This was comprised of men and women, etc., etc. Now, when they dropped those off, they said they were going to be back in a couple of months and bring them more supplies, but they couldn't because we were invaded, or the English were invaded, by the Spanish Armada. So we had a big war with Spain, and it took three years for them to be able to go back to Roanoke. And when they did, there was no one there. So 115 men, women, children, gone. No there was trace, no, no There's no nothing. sign of them, no trace of them at all. The, the buildings that were previously there had been taken down. There was only one thing that was left, and that was on a fence post, there was inscribed or carved into the fence post, Croatoan, which is obviously that one tribe. Yep. Okay? So was that written on there, you know, by maybe one of the colonists trying to teach one of the Croatoans how to write, how to write what their tribe was called? Was it a, a message to say that they'd been attacked by them? Was it a message to say we've gone to live with them? No one knows. Pretty weird because, you know, like they could have carved help well exactly that's (laughs) the thing we're screwed or whatever but that's the thing if you've got time to carve something into a fence post you could have presumably left a bit of paper with something on well i don't know how available you know paper would have been well they would have been writing back and forth to the colonies anyway although well yeah well no maybe not because how would there there wouldn't have been the postal service yeah (laughs) so i don't know i don't know but you would have thought that there would have been some other better sign but i guess if they'd have left a note maybe the the croatans ended up finding the note and ripping it up or burning it you know yeah you never know do you so no one knows today it's one of the biggest one of the biggest sort of mysteries if you like about this time there's loads of hypotheses of things that it could be and in fact at points they even said that they found some native americans who had what they call gray eyes and i'm not talking about alien grays now i'm talking about the sort of grey coloured eye, yeah. eyes that, you know, a white person may have. Or there was some that said that they saw children roaming the area that had blonde hair and blue eyes. So there's the possibility that they did actually go and, and mingle with... Assimilated. Exactly. The yeah. Roanoke and natives, if you like. It's quite interesting, though, when you think about it, that if they could have left, if that did happen, if they did leave on a friendly basis... And they knew that they would be having a supply run soon, which takes months, by the way, by ship. Well, apparently and, it took years. Well, in, in this case, that's because they were fighting. It took three years. Yeah, but, yeah. but the journey itself from England to Roanoke would have taken months and would have been extremely perilous. You know, in the 1800s with their shipbuilding technology at that stage to sail the Atlantic. So you would have thought that they'd have at least left some kind of note Sorry we missed you, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be pretty pissed off if I spent a couple of months on a boat battling scurvy and everything else to turn up and find the fuckers weren't there. Could you imagine if you were seasick? Well, exactly. Oh, I'd be really fucked then. I'd be like, you know, y'all couldn't have left me a stone tablet or something with something carved into it at least. Exactly. So there's also a black mountain in Queensland in Australia. Hey, you stole my Black Mountain. Yes, I did. (laughs) And apparently 
the Aborigines there, who are the the natives of, mm. of Australia, yeah. Aboriginal folk, they actually tell of stories that were of a man who was he was a wicked man called the Eater of Flesh, and he actually roams Black Mountain, and apparently he was once a medicine man, and he developed somehow the penchant for human flesh. And so he would kill and eat people. And on this one occasion, he killed and ate the Aboriginal chief. He was chased and eventually banished to the mountain. He would occasionally come out from his hiding place in the mountain and come down and and still eat people. But they would then turn on him, so people would start fighting back at him. One day, he turned himself into a goanna which is like a, it's an Australian monitor lizard. And he did this to try and avoid being killed so that he could sneak up on the people. But as he did that, there was a bolt of lightning that was said to have come down and hit him and actually turned him into charred boulders, which now forms part of the Black Mountain. Isn't it funny how some of these legends, and I want to say Indian or whatever legends as well, but, but any of them, the whole thing about fairies and all that... They, there, there always is like some really strange. Well, we've how got, the hell did we get there? When you're you're talking about a dude who eats people and likes it, gets banished to a mountain, and then gets struck by lightning and turned into boulders. It's like a kid could make that story up. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there seems to be no real logic in how we get to some of these legends and folklore and all that. It's just. I don't know, it's just weird. Be like a bunch of people sitting around getting drunk, going, oh, let's make up a story. Well, you never know. I mean, people may come across our podcasts in years to come and then say, what? This is true, is it? There's really this Welsh guy and this American woman who used to sit and talk crazy stories and people used to believe them. And I think you're having what is known as delusions of grandeur, but I'm just saying, you know, I mean... Somehow I don't think we are ever really going to etch our place in history so that people hey. are going to be like, ooh, Shelley and Bella. No, I don't, just don't see that happening. <laughs> but, you know, if you want to go with it, then we'll go with it. That's what we need to do. We got to sit down and we're going to come up with a story about us and how we met and then how we transitioned from that to actually meeting and having a ho-hum existence. And then all of a sudden... What the fuck is a ho-hum existence? And then all of a sudden, something happens. You know, whatever. We get struck by lightning. Something happens. And then all of a sudden, we're like the god and goddess of wonderful land or something. I don't know. But it could happen. I mean, why couldn't that happen if you could, like, get struck by lightning and turn into a mountain range? What is a ho-hum lifestyle? <laughs> I said ho-hum existence. What's a ho-hum existence? I'm, I'm really glad that of my whole epic tale, the only thing you seem to be focused on is ho-hum existence. Mm, you can kiss my epic tale. <laughs> Your ring. <laughs> <laughs> and there was one ring to rule them all. No, don't think I could really work that in. It's like that legend that we've got close to us, isn't it? Because there's that town close to us called Trelec. And in Welsh, tree is three, lec is stone. So it's actually three stones. And there are three standing stones in Trelec. 
And the legend is, is that two giants were playing a game and they threw stones from a mountain that's 14 miles away and they landed in Trelec and that's why the three stones are there. So it can't be that someone actually carried a stone. It's got to be that, or three stones, it's got to be that there was two giants playing and they threw the stones. And, you know, the guys, the men or the women, because, you know, equal opportunity, that did drag those freaking stones from somewhere are up there looking down going you bastards <laughs> exactly yeah yeah we broke our freaking back dragging them stones there and it's like stonehenge when all the druids are going you know damn do you realize how long it took us to drag those from wales because they were from wales those stones yeah. stonehenge and they dragged them freaking miles it took them hundreds of years to get them there apparently and they finally get them there, and some 21st century dick says that they were brought by UFOs. <laughs> yeah. What if those three stones were actually supposed to be Stonehenge? <laughs> and then they just yeah. thought, fuck it, we don't like this area, let's no, no. go find another one. No, what it, what it was, was they, they got the three stones there, and then they were like, where the fuck's everyone else? Because <laughs> before we the days lost. of GPS, you know... They just took a wrong turn at Chepstow. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, guys, once again, thank you very much for listening to our show. You've been listening to Shelley and Bella on the Weird, Wacky, Wonderful Stories podcast. And you can get in touch with us via Twitter, via Instagram, via our webpage where we've got a contact area, or via email, which is mail at weirdwackywonderful.co.uk. You can create your intro should you wish to do so. Send it again to mail at weirdwackywonderful.co.uk and it can be in any format you like. So whether it's a WAV file, an MP3 or whatever, an AAC file, etc, etc. Just send them through to us, not a problem, and we will add them on to the next podcast for you. Whenever you do that, it reminds me of Claudia on Strictly when she goes through those terms and conditions. (laughs) Okay. Guys, just like Bella, please do stay weird, Weird, wacky, wacky, and and wonderful. wonderful.